Welcome to another installment of Engineering Money, the podcast where some full-time engineers give their two cents on the financial news of the week. My name is Ben, a civil engineer in Washington State. My name is Tim. I'm a mechanical engineer in Indianapolis. And I'm Joey, a food products engineer out here in Minneapolis. And we are sponsored by VinoVest. True, big if true. If you're interested in wine investing, check them out. We got a link in our description um, for the episode. They're the only investment platform where you can actually drink your investment. It's pretty neat. Very cool. You will probably also find a link somewhere if you're on our Discord channel. That link is also in the description below um, to be a part of the team. Awesome. So we got some fun stuff. There is a lot of political shenanigans that happened this past week. I have a week. Debate and the coronavirus and all sorts of fun things going on. Um so I think, Joe, you wanted to speak on, on the political stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, like you said, heck of a week. And we, we saw some stock market reactions to that. Just mostly it was, I believe it was Thursday evening that we got the news. The President of the United States had tested positive for coronavirus. And so then Friday morning, we saw like big, big dip in all the markets. Um, yeah. Huge sell off going on. Which I didn't understand because right. it's not like... Trump even controls the stock market anyway. Exactly. It just seemed like a general fear situation, not a mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, j Powell has cut rates, stocks go up, something logical yeah. like that. No, <laughs> it's if j Powell fear. got corona. Then we'd you know. be, whew. <laughs> but <laughs> Everything but I, would go to zero. I think it just kind of, you know, is it once again a reminder that the markets are irrational and they don't make any sense and yeah so like don't try to predict it don't think like because because the other part of course is after uh that morning sell-off they started going up again um and whatever you want to attribute that to it, it wasn't like a clear downward slope through the day and so it news like this the one thing you can say is it adds volatility which there are ways to profit mm-hmm. off of that. I've um, been in the green for a little bit here, trading my ProShares Ultra VIX short-term futures ETF, which goes up when things get volatile. So, so that's been <laughs> fun. But for for some of you, uh, probably the smart ones among you, you might be a little nervous when there's volatility and not try to dive in headfirst. And and that's what I want to get in today. A little bit about I saw an article about this and it got me thinking about stocks that will help protect you from the volatility and there's the usual sub suspects you know dividend um, good dividend stocks stable growth companies uh, but a lot of those that we've talked about before in terms of just a general recession like what does well mm-hmm. And what's interesting is to think about, well, okay, what about for the political climate specifically? Because there's like volatility that's kind of priced in about election results right now because betting markets and like statistical forecasts put this big 
favor on Biden right now, but then there's also, you know, the people that'll always assume Trump is going to win. And then whatever you think that's going to do to the stock market, it's already kind of priced in. But what might not be priced in is the actual outcomes, the actual effects of it. And so what you got to kind of think about is what companies are selling stuff where that doesn't matter. And, yeah. and for me, once again, oh, the, the, consumer staples, isn't right. it, Joey? It, it points to consumer staples. <laughs> it's like, you're still going to buy your food and clothes regardless of who the president is. Wait, did you say you're going to buy your food in loads? So you're going to buy your food and clothes, but you might oh, buy clothes. your food in loaves <laughs> if you buy loaves of bread. Hey, you can buy food at Menards. But I did want to bring up Lowe's because, <laughs> thank you, Tim, Lowe's has been doing phenomenally since yeah, the, the crash oh in gosh. March, and they seem to be the, the type that's just, like, ready to tackle this stuff. Yeah, because the stupid housing market won't go down like I want it to. Yeah, that, that's another, like, double coupling here is that the housing market refuses to cool off even when the economy hasn't been booming. Uh, and so things like Lowe's and Home Depot do very well when not only are people buying new houses, but they're stuck at home in their houses and doing home projects. So it's mm -hmm. it's both kind of a stable, stable consumer stock and in just a really good position now. So those kind of things are what, what I've been keeping my eye on here. But that, that's, yeah. that's really like it. That's what I've been looking at. Very um, cool. Um, did you want to say I, something, Ben? Yeah, a little bit. It's off topic, but we mentioned J-POW just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I just wanted to make a note here. Uh, we're going to have a few J-POW um, action items coming up this week. Uh, they So he's speaking before the National Association for Business Economics um, on Tuesday. He's doing some sort of speech there at their annual meeting. So that could be interesting. Um, and then minutes from the, f the, the Fed's interest rate committee, their latest meeting that happened, I think, last week, the, the minutes from that meeting are getting released on Wednesday. Whoa. So Joey's volatility index is going to go up. Probably I'm holding up to it. it, but but I mean, I don't think I think I think it's going to be pretty much as expected for for what most investors are thinking. Rates are going to keep staying low. They're not going to change really anything. I'm sure that's what they're going to say. Yeah, it's probably pretty uh, reliable as long as those analysts aren't from Goldman Sachs. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you go with the opposite. Yes. Um, but speaking of big banking, JP Morgan Chase, they are going to pay almost a billion dollars in fines to the U.S. government. Whoa. Wait. Why? Which what? seems like a lot because they were accused of manipulating the precious metals and treasuries markets. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Ben. Which, That's a direct but, attack on you. Oh, they, they haven't been doing it since 2016. Oh. From 2008 to 2016. So eight years they were manipulating it. Wait, Goldman was or the JP government? JP Morgan. Was? Okay. 
Oh, J.P. Morgan. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It seems like a billion's a lot, but I feel like it's not as much as they made off of their manipulations. Um, but basically what they did is they placed hundreds of thousands of orders to buy or sell certain gold, silver, platinum, whatever, um, futures contracts with the intent to cancel those prior to execution. Mm. So through these spoof orders, the traders at JP Morgan intentionally sent false signals oh. um, hmm. of supplier demand. And then according to what the, whoever investigated it found in the U S government, um, they actually were able to manipulate market prices by doing that. Wow. Um, so I, it's just kind of crazy that uh, like th- I think this is literally the largest resolution from one of these investigations to ever come out wow. of uh, you know this type of thing but like you guys hadn't heard of it yeah I yeah, haven't no, I, like, didn't, I didn't read that yeah it happened last the, the resolution came out last week and no one made any big news about it, it wasn't a big thing well, it's only a billion dollars. Yeah, just yeah, a billion only dollars. A billion dollars. Billion dollars in penalties for multi-billion manipulation. <laughs> Drops in the bucket. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite investor fraud, but it's still like. I mean, it's, maybe it's everyone. It's kind of crazy just... though, just that you're gonna have these things that aren't quite investor fraud, but they just go on and and people don't. Well, even I mean, think when about you it. have things like the plunge protection team, Joey, everyone's just used to it. We're safe. Don't yeah, worry. I don't know what exactly you would call it, but I for sure think it's pretty sus. <laughs> yeah, pretty freaking um, sus. Do you guys do you guys play Among Us? I I was just told yeah. by my brother that I needed to start. Man, that is a good game. I bought it the other day. I finally gave in. Yeah, there's um, a lot of good meme <laughs> templates no, that that could apply for a lot memes. of a lot of the market movement stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about. So a few weeks ago, we talked about how Epic Games was suing Apple and Google, yes. I think, mm-hmm. as well. And the results, I don't think it's final yet, but in the courtroom, the judge, um, Gonzalez Rogers, um, looked skeptically at many of epic's claims um really yes explicitly telling them several times in the hearing that she was not persuaded by their arguments um what so yeah so basically what what she said epic knew that it was breaching its contract with apple when it published the update but they did it anyway um and mm. she rejected the claim that Apple's in-app payment system is a separate product or any example of illegal um, bundling. bundling. Or she, she said also that um, the Apple Store doesn't operate as a monopoly. Um, which the, dis- or the comparison she made is apparently this thing's called a walled garden. Um, okay. And she said walled gardens have existed for decades. She said, Nintendo has a walled garden, Sony has a walled garden, Microsoft has a walled garden, and what Apple is doing is not much different. So if you think about it in that sense, like anything that goes through, you know, any of those gaming 
um, companies, you know, and is to be played on their systems, you have to pay a premium to be able to put your game on their systems. So, I, I mean, it's it's kind of different because, you know, people are so much more reliant on smartphones. But Epic is also just a gaming company. Right. So, I don't know. But the funny thing that came out of it, separate from the hearing, was Google announced that it will enforce rules that require app developers distributing Android software and Google Play to use its in-app payment system. Um, because I'm pretty sure they saw all this and they're like, whoa, we could be making more money. And yeah, I think Apple... Apple is already doing that, and that's why Epic got in trouble because they weren't yeah, doing that. Yeah, no, but Google so- announced that they're going to be doing that now. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, and so now Google is like, hey, we could make more money, um, which I think is funny because, like, you can download, um, what, like, Apple Music and those things on the Google Play Store. So that means if you were to <laughs> take a or buy something from whatever, iTunes or Apple Music on a, your Android device, that means you're taking, Google will take a cut of Apple's cut. Oh. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. So, yeah, I don't think Epic's, Epic Games is going to win this one. And yeah, and I think when, because I, I believe it was me that brought it up initially, I think mm-hmm. our consensus when we brought it up at first was that probably nothing was going to happen. <laughs> yeah um so it's yeah our prediction came true um go us yeah <laughs> hey maybe you guys should well, listen to us no yeah, don't maybe. listen to us we uh do not provide investment <laughs> advice um thanks for reining me in there tim ben what's that disclaimer we have <laughs> i don't know it's in the description please read okay. it <laughs> makes it so that we can't get in trouble we don't know what yeah. we're talking about Speaking of things that we don't know what we're talking about, um, I wanted to talk about some ETFs today. Because um, lately I've been getting more and more busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm finding it harder and harder to uh, keep keep track of everything and uh, keep all of my market movements going. Individual um, stocks is a tough game to play. I know, I know. It's really hard when you're when we're full time engineers and we're interested in stocks. Isn't that the premise of this um, show or something? Yeah. <laughs> so I've been I've been looking at some different ETFs because so Tim and I were actually talking about it, um, like how they actually function and stuff like that. And it's really you pay that expense ratio percentage to them mm-hmm. for them to make all of the market plays for you. Yeah, because they'll, like, rebalance it and everything. Um, yeah, they rebalance. They do cost averaging stuff. They do. They have their own price targets. They have very defined rules. It's very tough to run an ETF or, like, actually get an ETF to the market. Um, so I just wanted to bring up a few staples that I've had for a long time that I'm continuing to like. So the first one is, the ticker is VTI. It's the Vanguard Total Stock Market ETF. Like, these are my staples. Right. Where a huge chunk of my 
uh, account goes to these, it pays out. The expense ratio is basically zero. It's 0.03%. Yeah. I mean, it, it Vanguard pays ones out. have good a old index super funds. cheap. And, and, yeah. and Vanguard is the pioneer of index funds. They invented them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, super low expense ratio, and it pays out a 1.63% dividend, which is awesome. And it's just a large blend of different individual stocks. Yeah. Right now, their top holdings are Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon, um, hovering around f uh, 4 to 5%. I would prefer, like, when I look, um, uh, if I'm putting a large chunk of my portfolio percentage somewhere, I, I prefer it if they try to keep their holdings below 5% for uh -huh. everything. Um, Apple right now for that one is at 5.8%. So it's oh, no. starting to get a little bit higher, but still it's like really well balanced. Um, well, that you, really awesome. You should check out VO, the Vanguard Midcap Fund. Because their top Wait, stock yes. is only a percent. I know. Yeah, those are pretty nice too. But the other, the other like staple one that i have is bnd it's the BND. vanguard total bond market etf oh. it's basically the same expense ratio it's 0.035 percent but it pays a much higher dividend right now it's 2.41 and it's just a blend of different investment grade u.s fixed income including government corporate and secured debt right now i think their highest um, holding is a mortgage uh, backed security but it's less than 5% which is awesome but Ben I mean this sounds all fine and good mm -hmm. but how are you supposed to make a year's salary on a single trade with these so that is a great question and that's a great segue so those are my two staples that are just solid I don't have to worry about it I can just put my money in there and not care for whatever percentage, like 50, 60% of the money. The rest of it, I, I do want to put a little bit more stake, a little higher risk in it. And right now, I'm, I'm digging um, a few. They're all um, relatively new. The first one is brand new. And this is the one I was really excited to talk about today. The ETF started last week, the 1st of October. Ooh. It's an iShares ETF, and it's the Virtual Work and Life Multi-Sector ETF. Whoa. Yeah. It's super exciting. So it's all about uh, securities that sort of prop up the entire remote life economy right now. So okay, Ben, what's the ticker? IWFH. Their high, their high, their top holding right now is Zoom, obviously, but they're Ooh. it's only three point six nine percent of all their holdings. Huh. Other okay. items on their list: Palaton, Roku, DocuSign, Nintendo, Teladoc Health Inc. So they're like trying to capture every aspect, all this virtual stuff of the virtual work and life. I just discovered it the other day and I was super excited and wanted to talk about it. So this one is a much more risky play, but you're kind of exposed to all the different sectors in this new world post-corona 
right? stuff. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I've got one that I just recently invested in. Oh, yeah? Um, it's ARK, A-R-K-K. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like ultra aggressive so like really high risk um for example their biggest holding is tesla at 10 percent yep but um the the lady that runs it seems to know what she's doing so i I got some money in there it's a pretty fun one there's actually one more that i'll mention because you bring up tesla there's it's q c l n Mm -hmm. it's the first trust nasdaq clean edge green energy index fund they're they're up 50 percent this quarter largely because they also their top holding right now is tesla just over 10 (laughs) percent nice so they're pretty uh diversified in all aspects of clean energy there's also the other staple like clean energy etf that's been around forever the icln which is the iShares version, iShares Global Clean yeah. Energy. They're up 62% year to date. But what I am a little bit more turned off with that one, they're mostly just solar energy companies that they invest uh-huh. in. And their top holder right now, or holding right now, is Sunrun, which is a solar energy <laughs> That's company. not the name of a winning company. And it's at 10%. So I like QCLN just because they've sort of diversified more beyond just solar. But, yeah, the iShares version is great if you're really bullish on solar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's my stuff. I'm done, too. Nice. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening in this week. Uh, be sure to check out the description for our Discord and the VinoVest link. Um, oh and, yeah drink uh, your investments get ready for some big changes coming up if you made it all the way to the end here we're getting ready to oh, yeah. uh, move to a visual podcast big move the next few weeks so As it'll if be people exciting. actually want to see what we look like then hey man it, it's the people that last till the end that will care <laughs> <laughs> i'm literally yeah. getting a haircut just for you guys wow gross all righty well thanks again everyone see you next week